This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. Now there are different means of grace and the, you know, depending on who you ask and, and, and what you read, uh, you might get all kinds of things being listed as means of grace. But two things stand out that whatever else you say, uh, you know, you have to put them first. And the first of these things is whatever means of grace there may be, these means are dispensed in and through the church. Now, some people will say, of course, that the church itself is a means of grace. Well, all right, you know, again, it's a case of definition, how you define these things. I don't want to get into that. But whether you think that or not, the means of grace are only available in and through the church. Without the church, you cannot have ac get access to the means of grace. Now, again, if I use a modern parallel, this may help you to understand the mentality. It's like with the case, case of inheritance again. You tell the homeless person that he is now very rich because some relative of his has died leaving all this money. How does he get hold of it? Well, let's say there's probably channel. There would definitely be some sort of channel. I mean, the money isn't just going to drop down from heaven into his lap. Um, there are various possibilities, but let's just say for the sake of argument that he has to go to the bank. You know, there's a, it's in a bank, uh, uh, in an account or in a vault or somewhere, waiting for him. But he has to go to the bank and follow the procedures of the bank in order to gain access to the money. All right, The bank isn't just going to hand it over uh, because he turns up. And they're not, they're not necessarily going to go looking for him either. They might. Um, but, uh, but essentially, the way to get the money is to follow the procedures of the bank. All right, That's the, that's the way in um, uh, that you have to do. And of course, the church functions like the bank. The church is the dispenser, if you like, of the means of grace. And if you think about this, you realize how it works. You see that um, you go to your bank, you use your bank as a place to keep your money and you get access to it through the ATM or your whatever as and when you need it. It's dispensed to you. All right? The question then comes, what is the role of the bank in this? How important is the bank? Um, well, let me give you an example of something that happened to me, which may help you understand this. Some years ago,
I transferred some money into my bank account in England. Um, and I, I put a thousand pounds, which is about sixteen hundred dollars, into the bank. All right, well, that's a reasonable sum of money. I mean, it's not nothing. But I had this money somehow, and so I, I, I put it into the bank. But whoever registered it in the bank made a mistake, and they credited me not with one thousand, but with ten thousand. Now, when, yeah, I know, when my bank statement came at the end of the month and I read it, I was horrified because I realized there'd been a mistake. So I ran to the bank, you know, we didn't wait, I just went straight to the bank with my statement. I walked in and I said, excuse me, I just want to talk, I need to talk to somebody, there's a mistake. You see, I have been over-credited with money. Well, then I discovered what the medieval church was like. Because my bank was exactly the same. The bank was infallible. Uh, no way does the bank make a mistake. And so, this poor girl who, who was deputed to deal with awkward customer, namely me, sort of sits me down and says, um, could this be a legacy that you have received? You know, somebody has left you this money in their will. Nope, don't think so. Oh. And she said, could it be redundancy payment? I mean, have you lost your job and they're paying you off? You see, she was digging a little deeper here. And I said, no, I haven't lost my job. So then she said, well, do you have a friend, get this, do you have a friend who might have put this money into your account without telling you? And I, at this point, I smiled and I said, you know, I said, you've, you've finally hit it. Yes. I said, I don't let people be friends of mine unless they do that. <laughs> I insist that if you want to be a friend of mine, you must put a substantial sum of money into my bank account and not tell me that you are doing it. And I said, look, dear, I said, you know, I don't want to criticize you. I know it's not your fault. It's nothing to do with you. Uh, you know, it's just a mistake. Would you mind looking into this? I feel bad. I need, to, I, I, I need to report this because I want it put right. I don't want this money, you know, that isn't mine. Um, you know, just check it out. And say, all right, all right, we'll, we'll make a note of it. She did a report. She put it in. But she would not admit that the bank could possibly have made a mistake. See, it's the church. doesn't make mistakes. So I thought, well, here we go. Three months later, I get a letter from the bank saying, 10,000 pounds was paid into your bank account that does not belong to you. They would not use the word error. You know, it's, it does not belong to you. Uh, we have now uh, taken this money out uh, and, um, and, and corrected the, the account. All right. 
There then followed a long statement saying that if I had, well, while the money was in my account, I could have taken it out and used it. Yes, legally, because it was in my account. However, if I had done this, uh, I would have been prosecuted, you know, for theft, and I would have been reported to every financial institution in the world, and I would never have been able to have another bank account again anywhere. Again, because, you know, the church has its tentacles everywhere, and uh, you, you aren't going to get away that easily. You know, this is, you can't do this. All right. And then they said at the bottom, the final closing paragraph was, um, seeing as you reported this, they recognized that I had reported this, we will not charge you the normal transfer fee for taking money out of your account. <laughs> this was grace, <laughs> you see. I was not being charged a fee for their mistake because I'd reported it. But at no point in this, in this letter did any word like mistake or error ever appear. And I came away with feeling that I was guilty, you know, that somehow or other I'd been forgiven for something that they'd done. Um, and I suddenly, I, I looked at this and I suddenly thought, now I understand the medieval church. This is how it worked. You see, they controlled the means of grace. And if you didn't follow what they said, and they could say anything, you know, but anything, they could cut you off from the means of grace. They called it excommunication, of course. We call it losing your card in the ATM. But it amounts to the same thing. I mean, have you ever had that happen? You know, you put your card into the ATM and it disappears. I mean, this is being cut off from, the, from grace because you can't do anything when that happens, you know. And try to explain to the bank that it's your card and that you lost it and uh, you know, for some reason or other, and they, you, you, you know, you, you end up answering a hundred questions as to why you lost it, uh, and, and what's really going on, and you, you, know, you know what I'm saying, they're, they're not particularly trusting or user-friendly when it comes to this, and you get a very strong sense of who's in charge, all right? Uh, never mind the fact that it's your money, you know, that they've got in their bank, um, the, the, the important thing in the relationship between a customer and the bank is that you must, be, you must be told or taught explicitly or implicitly that they are in charge. Yes, you must keep your mouth shut and be quiet and accept what you are given. It's the same with the church, you see, the medieval church, that the grace which they were dispensing actually didn't belong to them. I mean, it was the grace of Jesus Christ given for the salvation of sinners. And you, as the sinner, going to the church to get the grace, I mean, it was your grace, uh, you know, that, that, was, that was there, that they were, they were administering. I mean, but it was meant for you, you see, not for them. 
But of course, they, can, they could turn it on or off as, as they chose. They manipulated it. They controlled it. Now, I'm not blaming. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to be, be condemning uh, of this because as I've just indicated with my bank, this is the way corporations operate. You, you know, any big corporate. I mean, the government is far worse, you know. You try. I mean, I went to pay my property tax uh, last week in, uh, uh, in Birmingham, and, uh, and I had to wait. Again, there was no line. I mean, I was the only person there, but they were in no hurry to serve. Uh, and because they're a monopoly, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't choose another state to pay your tax in, see the competition. Um, so you just wait. And if it, they just, you know, decide they're going to keep you 15 minutes, well, that's your, that's their, you know, that's their right. They can do that. Or send you somewhere else. They can, you know what I mean? It's institutional. They like to control and they like to make the customer feel that, um, you know, you, 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 you've got to be told, told where your place is. Now, this, of course, causes this is This was at the heart, one of the real problems at the heart of the Reformation, because the whole question of, of the, ro the place of the church, I mean, the role of the church, the power of the church, uh, I mean, what was it meant to be? Uh, and one way or another, of course, it's still a problem today. Uh, and, 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 you know, and as a minister of the church, I, I'm sensitive to this. I'm aware uh, of the temptation that we have to say, well, uh, to say no to people. You know, you can always say, uh, close the door uh, to people. And um, when in fact, you're not, I'm not saying you should never ever say no to people. Of course, sometimes you have to. I'm not, that's true. But um, that mentality, you know, that sense of, well, we'd rather say no and play it safe than, uh, than, than give something, uh, you know, and then discover that we gave it to the wrong person or something like that. I mean, it's always uh, in, the, in the mentality of the administrator to, to act and to think like this. So what exactly are the means of grace? Well, of course, the, the chief means of grace in the medieval church were the sacraments. Um, it, was, it was in and through the sacraments and participation in the sacraments that you received the grace of God. The grace of God was given to you. Now that's fine. I mean, I haven't got a problem with this. But the next question is, well, who is entitled to receive the sacrament? On the one hand, of course, uh, you have baptism, which was basically universal. So there was, people were baptized with no questions asked. That's fine, that's one thing. But the other sacraments, and in particular the Eucharist or Holy Communion or the Mass or whatever you want to call it, becomes the, the regular daily or weekly means of approaching God and of receiving his, his grace into your life and so on, and therefore gets surrounded by all sorts of peripheral devotions, 
some of which are are fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them in, in, in themselves, but they become opportunities, shall we say, for exercising some kind of control. So that uh, if, for example, you are supposed to, co to confess your sins uh, before, you know, going to the Lord's table to receive uh, the grace of communion, that's fine. I mean, that's, in theory, that's a good principle and so on. But who do you confess to? What do you confess? And what's the result of this? So if, you, if you're told you must go and confess to the priest, the priest is then to, uh, uh, he has to absolve you. Well, how is he going to absolve you? Is he just going to absolve you on your say, you know, I've confessed my sin, so you were absolved like that? Or is he going to give you uh, something to do uh, so that you demonstrate that you genuinely are repentant. And you can see the, re I mean, the logic is obvious, and I don't question this, and so on, but you're given what is, becomes penance. You see a penance, something to do to, to demonstrate this. Okay, so you, you, you're, you're given your penance, you do your penance, then you get absolved from this, and then you have access to communion. Well, the theory, of course, is all very, is all very good, uh, and so on. Uh, but at different stages along the way, you can see that the procedure is such uh, that it's open to manipulation. I mean, it shouldn't be manipulated, of course. Um, and I'm not saying that it necessarily was always. Uh, you know, I, uh, it's, it, you can't sort of say this in a general term. But the opportunity was there. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, people could uh, find themselves in difficult situations. I mean, uh, you, you confess your sin. What are you going to confess? And there have always been difficulties over this. You see, like even today, for instance, the, there is a question uh, at least there is in our church, I don't know about other churches, but in my own church, if you confess to a priest or to a minister, whoever, that you have done something which is criminal, which is illegal according to the law. I mean, if I go to the priest and I confess and I say, well, um, you know, I murdered somebody last week and I need to confess this, is the clergyman who hears this confession obliged to say nothing? You know, the secret of the confessional. Or is he obliged to report this to the police because somebody's confessed a crime? Now, according to the church, you're not supposed to say anything about this because, you know, that's private. That's between the person confessing in God, and the priest is just there to hear this and to facilitate, you know, not to sort of control. But, of course, according to the state, you know, you, they sort of say, look, somebody's come along and they've confessed a crime. We've been looking for this guy for weeks. Why don't you tell us? You know, you're complicit in this crime. You know what's been going on. Why don't you say something? And to the outside world, you see, to people who don't, sort of share this way of thinking, um, 
this, of course, becomes complicity. You know, you 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 are you are part of the crime if you if you conceal it like this. So there's conflict. I mean, this is a, 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 an obvious case, but it, it comes up. Um, I mean, it's come up just recently because in, I know in England, the Church of England, you know, you're supposed to keep the secret of the confessional. But in Australia, um, at least the Anglican Church in Australia has recently uh, passed some resolution saying that if this happens, um, they're going to report it to the police because they don't want to be accused of concealing things. Um, and this this idea that of concealment has become an issue uh, in recent years, you know, because you've got all these pedophiles who hide behind the church and this kind of thing. And if the if the church hierarchy says, well, uh, you know, we we, we can't say anything because uh, it's secret. You know, we're not supposed to do this. Um, you get to the point where where you lose your credibility. Uh, you know, with the, with the wider world, and it can cause a lot of problems. Now, I'm not saying, I haven't got the answer to this, and I'm not take, passing judgment on anybody. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm just trying to point out how complicated this can get, uh, you know, and what sort of difficulties you can find yourself in without ever wanting to. Uh, the other extreme, of course, which is much more common, uh, I must confess, very few people come and tell you that they've committed a murder. I mean, this is a, you know, this is a very exceptional thing. Um, but uh, much more common is people go to confession and like, like this, and they don't really have anything to confess. Or at least they can't think of anything to confess. So they make it up. When I say make it up, it may not be totally made up. But they, they confess things that are relatively trivial, you know, like I was on a diet and I gave and, and, and I ate a chocolate bar and I shouldn't have done it. I mean, I'm being a bit facetious here, but you know, it's this sort of level. Um, and, and you don't know whether to laugh or cry, you know, when somebody does this, because you think to yourself, well, these, these people have no idea, you know, they don't, they don't really understand what sin is. They're just coming and, and, and saying this because they've got to say something. And, and um, I mean, what do you do? You sort of say, well, you shouldn't have done that. Well, of course they shouldn't have done that. But is this really what you're, what, what you're there for? That's the other extreme. You know, I'm not saying that, again, uh, that, that everybody's like this. Of course they're not. But, but these are the dangers that you get at either end, you see, and of course, there's been over the centuries a lot of discussion about this, um, uh, different ways, and you know, there, uh, uh, a lot of, um, well, on the one hand, people who try to try to make them make it serious. On the other hand, people who say this isn't working, we don't we don't need this kind of thing. We've got to reform the whole system, but you can't understand that debate. I mean, why the you know why the tensions are, uh, arise over this, unless you understand what the initial intention is, and 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 how it works itself out. These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one-week or semester-length courses in person at our South Florida campus, or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, 
please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.